Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. I believe that the word that God has for MCC, for your life and for mine this year, is the word strength. At the end of last year, I was praying and really felt God put this in my heart, that that this would be a year to commission strength for every single person. Isaiah chapter 54 is where this is from. Isaiah 54 is God speaking. And this is how the scripture begins in verse 1. It says, Sing, O barren woman, you who've never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who've never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. It's just like God. And that if the Bible had said to to, um, be dismayed, O barren woman, to be upset, O barren woman, that would make sense. Because if you've ever struggled to be able to have children, you know that there's, it's not really the sort of thing you sing about. And yet a person of faith can look at the circumstances of their life and say, do you know what? The circumstances of my life wouldn't encourage this, but the God whom I serve does. That, that even when the circumstances of my life have brought devastation or dismay or despair, God, he is good to me. And so I can sing even in the midst of trouble that because God is able to do even what I can't see, God is able to do the miraculous. And so God says to sing, O barren woman, you who've never bore a child, burst in a song, shout for joy. That's a statement of faith. Verse two, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, here it is, strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispose nations and settle in their desolate cities. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch the tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. As I was praying at the end of last year, beginning to envision what this year would look like for our family, but also For MCC, I felt God put into my heart, this is a season to strengthen the stakes. That if the last 12 months have been about the stretch of transitioning into a new facility and and things changing, there's stretch and then there's strength and there's stretch and then there's strength and that's practical, that happens in life. But but I felt God encourage us that, that there's been stretch and now this is a season to strengthen. We went camping um, last year and where we were set up in the national park on the sandy soil, I was putting little tent pegs into the ground because there wasn't much chance of the wind being able to blow through that place. It was a little peg because it was a little tent. But if you've ever been to a a big tent, a big top tent, a a circus tent or something of that kind, you've seen the enormous stakes that get driven into the ground because the bigger the tent, the bigger the stake and the further it needs to be grounded into the ground. That the word of God for your life and for mine is to strengthen the stakes. That God wants to bring increase. Stretch wide the tent. Do not hold back. Lengthen the cords. Strengthen the stakes. It's actually a noble thing to believe God for increase. To believe God to increase my influence, to increase my territory. Jabez prayed a prayer like that for increase. In 2 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, Jabez prayed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And God heard his prayer, and God granted his request. 
Why? Because it's actually a noble thing to say, God, would you bless my life? And so if last year was a year of stretching, this is the season to strengthen, to strengthen the states. And so this morning, I want to take you to the life of a person in the Old Testament who was a strong man. His life is found in Judges 13 to 16, and his name is Samson. There was a strong man in the Old Testament in Samson, but Samson sadly failed to remember three things. And perhaps this morning we might find these things and maybe shape them into convictions for our own lives that that we would not repeat the mistake of Samson. If this is a year of strength and if God wants to strengthen, perhaps these are things that you and I ought to remember. Here's the first thing that Samson forgot. Samson forgot where his strength came from. Samson was a judge of Israel. His life is recorded in the book of Judges. And his life is is typified by the fact that the angel of the Lord came to his parents, came to his mother, and said, you're going to have a son. He's going to have an incredible gift. He's going to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth. And as a result, no razor is to ever touch his head. That, that, That he would be a deliverer, a judge of Israel. The problem for Samson's life, though, is that Samson really squanders the gift that God has given him. Sure, he does some things, and, and God uses him, and, and there are moments in his life where, where, where he really does what it is that God's called him to do. But, but the truth is, for most of Samson's life, he falls well short of the potential God had for him. And one of the problems is, is that Samson forgot where his strength came from. Samson thought that his strength came from him, that it was his might. That, that it was his strength, that, that actually the feats of strength that he did when he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines or ripped the gates off a city, that, that somehow along the way he started to think that actually this came from the sweat of his own brow. Yeah. In Samson's life, if you're familiar with the story, and I would encourage you to read it after today, that, that, that Samson's strength was actually not even in his hair, that Samson's strength was actually in the untouched nature of his heart, which was represented by the untouched nature of his hair. Samson, when he's, even before he's born, the angel of the Lord comes to his mother and says, you're going to have a son. She'd not been able to have any children. You're going to have a son. And he's going to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. That the Nazarite vow that was of Samson's life was that no razor was to ever touch any hair on his head. That he was never to touch or drink any wine and he was never to touch anything that was dead. But when you read the account of Samson's life, it's quite interesting because as a kid, I imagined Samson to be this incredibly strong person, this huge, bulking physique, right? Something a little bit like Cooper Og. Yes! Maybe that's, that's not as accurate. I imagined him to be a huge, bulking physique because in all the children's Bibles that, that I had seen as a child, that's how they sort of depicted Samson. He was this huge, strong, bulking figure. But of course, most Bible scholars believe that actually Samson wasn't particularly big at all. In fact, most Bible scholars believe he was probably a scrawny, skinny little dude with very long hair. And that was why he frustrated the Philistines so much. Because how is it that this scrawny guy is doing these incredible feats of strength? If Samson had been a really big, bulking, hulking kind of figure, then it would have been easy to say, well, you know, well, the reason why he could do these things and these feats of strength is because look at the size of him, he's huge. But the humiliation and the frustration for the Philistines was, 
How is this pipsqueak doing these things when he's so small? How is it that he can defeat us so easily? How is it that he can break chains and bonds and ropes? And how is he able to do this? He's the same size as the rest of us. And yet there was a difference. Why? Because Samson was a Nazarite. He had the hand of God upon his life. That God had a special purpose for him. And so the Bible makes it very clear that it wasn't Samson's strength, that actually each time Samson did one of these incredible feats of strength, it was the Spirit of God that came upon him. Judges chapter 15 is one of those episodes. In verse 14, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, Samson, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that had been burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands, and he found the fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he reached out his hand and he took it and he killed a thousand men, a thousand Philistines, with the jawbone of a donkey. It wasn't Samson's strength. It was actually the Spirit of God upon him. The challenge for Samson, though, is that Samson forgot where his strength came from. Samson's life is often associated with Delilah because that's the girl he ends up falling in love with. That's the girl who ends up confiding in. Samson ends up going to her house and laying down in her lap and, and she, she asks him a number of times, Samson, what's the secret of your great strength? He doesn't know this, but in the background that the Philistine generals have gone to her and said, we'll give you a whole lot of money if you'll find out the secret of this guy's great strength. If you find out the secret and you tell us, then we'll pay you all this money. And so Delilah gets Samson, lulls him to sleep in her lap, and she, she says to him, Samson, please tell me, how can I tie you up and make your life a living misery? Just as a word of warning for the single men, if you're dating a girl who starts asking you questions like that, that is the wrong person to be dating, right? That's a red flag. And so Samson each time tells her something, but it's not the truth. Until eventually, she, she so presses him, she says, you don't even love me. If you really love me, you'll tell me the secret of your great strength. And so Samson confides and he says, well, actually, no razor's ever touched the hair on my head. If my hair was to be cut, then I'd become as weak as any other man. And so again, Samson falls asleep in Delilah's lap. And this time while he's asleep, she calls for these Philistine men to come and to shave his head. And he wakes up and he doesn't even realize that the spirit of God has left him. But, but here's the point. That the point is not that Samson's strength was in his hair. Samson's strength was in the untouched nature of his heart, which was represented outwardly by the untouched nature of his hair. When he confided in Delilah, he allowed a person to touch a part of his life that was only ever reserved for him and for God. Perhaps for me, the saddest verse in all of Samson's story is Judges 16 verse 20. It's the moment after he confides in Delilah and falls asleep and has his hair cut. Verse 20 says, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke up from his sleep and he said, I'll go out as before at other times and shake myself free because that's what had happened every time he'd ever been bound. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That Samson had become so desensitized to God's presence, so blasé about God's presence, that God leaves and Samson is none the wiser. If you and I are going to be people who have strength built into our lives this year, because God wants to bring strength to your life and to mine, to your marriage, to your family, to this church, 
that we've got to remember where that strength comes from. It's not from the strength of our own hands. It's not from the sweat of our own brow. Samson forgot where his strength came from. God wants to add strength to your life. But but here's the reminder here from Samson's life. Will you remember God as your source and your strength? I heard a story this week, in fact, from Gail, who's looking after our pool, and I went and had a look at it online. It's the story of a, of a missionary called Otto, who was an American missionary from a Dutch background who ended up a missionary in Papua New Guinea. You can find it on YouTube. I found it this week. And he tells this story of how when he and his wife went to go and be missionaries in Papua New Guinea, they, they tried everything to try and support themselves, and what they ended up doing was eventually growing different kinds of crops. They found it hard to grow anything, but in the sandy soil where they were, they eventually were able to plant pineapples, and the pineapples grew really well. They they planted the pineapples. The only problem was is that all the locals would steal their pineapples. In fact, they didn't get to harvest any pineapples because every time a pineapple even looked like it was about to get ripe, that the next time they'd come back to the field, they'd find they'd been taken by somebody in the villages. In the end, this missionary began to start hiding the, the pineapples. So, so that they couldn't see them on the vine. He'd cover them with different things and grass so that they couldn't find them. But sure enough, it'd get taken. It wasn't just the pineapples. The, the locals would steal everything. They were, his wife would hang out the, the washing on the back line. And when he would come back in the afternoon to take it off, he'd, he'd notice that everything had been taken. In the end, when he would go to the villages to go and share the gospel, he would go with a box to be able to collect their belongings, which were being taken from their house and their clinic every time locals came. But one morning, his wife came to him and, and she said, I've got no bobby pins to do up the baby's nappies. They're all gone. They're all missing. Well, he went into the village. And when he went into the village, he found that all the ladies of that village were wearing the bobby pins for the babies through their ears. In his clinic, they're running a, a medical clinic. And one day he went into his office and he noticed that all of his pens were gone. He thought, what on earth? Where have all these pens gone? But he went into the village and here were a bunch of locals who were wearing his pens through their noses. He said, everything we had, it was taken. It was stolen. Eventually, he got so frustrated that the locals called him the angry missionary because he would get so upset with them that they kept on stealing all of his stuff. Well, eventually, they decided to try and help them understand that you're not supposed to take other people's belongings. They thought, we're going to close the clinic. That will help them to understand if you keep on taking our things, you're not going to get your medicine. But the trouble was is that the locals were so bent on taking things that they would rather let their relatives die than to stop stealing. In the end, they reopened the clinic and thought, we don't know what we're going to do with this. That all of our stuff keeps on getting taken. has this revelation from God that actually everything I own belongs to God. All of it. All of my worldly possessions, my own life, even this farm. And so he prays and says, God, it's all yours. Everything is yours. Well, the next day, the locals came back and they did what they did every time. They stole the pineapples. And he sat on his veranda and he said, Lord, they're stealing your pineapples. He'd watch and he'd see, he'd see people take the shirts off, off the back line. He'd say, Lord, they're, they're stealing your last shirt. After a little while, the locals came to him. And they said, what have you done? You've cursed the land. Nothing, none of our crops will grow. All the fish have dried up and, and, and the people are getting sick. What have you done? You've cursed the land. And the missionary explained, I haven't cursed the land. I've just given it away. And they said, well, tell us, who, who have you given the, the farm to? Who have you given the land to? What, 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 what have you done? He said, well, if you come back tomorrow, I'll tell you who I've given it to. Of course, the villagers who were quite perplexed by the fact that things had changed in their little setting, they went around all night to the different villages and chiefs trying to work out who is he given the farm to? Who's cursed us? Who's cursed the land? 
The next day they come back and they said, we went everywhere last night trying to work out who have you given this farm to? Who, who have you given it to? And the missionary explained, I came to a realization that all of my life belongs to God. All of my worldly possessions belong to him. This farm is his, and so I have given the farm to God. Well, the locals pleaded with him, don't give it to God, take it back. T -t take it back. A and the missionary explained that all of this belongs to God, and it opened an opportunity in that work, in that mission field, for those local people realizing that God's power was real. Just, it came about in an unusual way. When the missionary told the story, he explained that whilst it had an effect on the locals, it had the biggest effect on him and his wife. To actually realize that God is our source and our strength. That actually everything of our life belongs to God. That every good thing that finds its way into my life actually comes from him. This was the problem for Samson. That somewhere along the line, Samson started thinking, it's because I'm special. That this strength is because of the work of my hands. It's the sweat of my brow. And he started to think it belonged to him. But when a person really gets this in their heart, that, that the strength of your life doesn't come from you, it actually comes from the Spirit of God, it'll begin to change everything about the way you see life. Like the missionary, it'll change the way that you see problems. It'll change your worship. Because everything I am and everything I have, it belongs to God. It'll change the way that you, you see your finances. It'll change the way you view generosity when you realize that everything belongs to God. I want to remind us this is a year and a season to build strength. And in doing that, we've got to start by remembering where it is our strength comes from. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. This has been like a guiding verse for the eldership of this church. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. That it's actually God who does the building. It's God who brings the strength. And it's a reminder to us to remember always where it is that our strength comes from. Here's the second thing that Samson forgot. Samson forgot where his strength came from, but, but Samson also focused on the impressive rather than the important. When people were watching, Samson was on. He was doing incredible things. But the minute people weren't watching, Samson was off. Right? But when people were watching, Samson is like white hot. When, when people aren't watching, Samson's as cold as ice. You know how for every person there's maybe like a bit of a story that helps to give you a bit of an insight into who they are, a bit of the way that they see the world. For me, that story is the story of Samson and the young lion in Judges chapter 14. The story is, is that Samson is going into a particular city and on the way there, he's attacked by a young lion. Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and, and he kills the lion and goes into the city and on his way back, he comes back through and he can see the carcass of the lion just off the path and he can see that there's a swarm of bees in the mouth that have created honeycomb and honey and Samson wants the honey, but he's a Nazarite. He can't touch anything that's dead and this is the carcass of a lion. It's clearly dead and so Samson thinks to himself, I wonder if I could get the honey without touching the lion. And so he reaches inside the mouth of the lion to get the honey trying all the while not to touch it. He goes home and he gives the honey to his parents. He just doesn't tell anyone where the honey comes from. It's an insight into Samson's life that Samson is forever reaching for something sweet inside something that's forbidden. That's his whole life. 
Samson's a Nazarite. He's not supposed to touch any wine. When he meets Delilah, he meets her in the Valley of Sorak. The Valley of Sorak is a wine-growing region. Sorak literally means wine. It's like, bro, you're not supposed to be touching any wine, but you're holidaying in the Napa Valley, right? He's trying to get as close as he can to get the thing that's sweet, all the while reaching inside something that's forbidden. And this is the pattern of Samson's life. Not only does he forget where his strength comes from, but but he's so focused on the impressive, he totally forgets the important. Here's the reminder to us that God wants to add strength to your life. But there is a reminder here. Will you focus on the important rather than the impressive? The private areas of our life. What are we reaching for that seems sweet, but it's wrapped up in something that'll bring destruction? It's wrapped up in something that's forbidden. There's nothing wrong with the honey, but there's something very dangerously wrong with where you have to go to go and get it. Are there areas in your life, in mine, where there's compromise? Are there areas where there are hidden things? Samson reached for the honey. He even gave some of the honey away. He just never told anyone where it came from. And so there are areas in our lives, maybe thoughts, addictions, areas of sin that we're keeping to ourselves because we're reaching for something sweet inside something forbidden. Perhaps this is the year to see breakthrough in the unseen areas of our life. Not just for the impressive, not just for the parts that people can see, but for the important. The areas of our own development and character. The areas of our own relationship with God. Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, for Elise and I, are perhaps some of the most sobering. They've almost been like for us a bit of a guiding thing over the years of our life. It's Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are strong words. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That, that, that there might be a moment in our lives where we might come to God and say, but, but, but God, like we built great churches in your name. And we preached in your name. And we served on teams at MCC. And we tithed faithfully. Come on, come on God, I even ran a connect group. And God will say, you focused on the impressive. I was focused on the important. Samson was a strong man in the Old Testament who missed it, but he missed it because he forgot three things. He forgot where his strength came from. He became focused on the impressive rather than the important. Here's the third one. Samson forgot what his strength was for. Samson in his life ultimately starts believing that his strength is for him. When you look at the pattern of his life, you realize he's actually using the gift of God for his own benefit. And so he performs these great feats of strength. He, he even does them a bit like party tricks, but, but he forgets what that strength is for. God actually tells Samson's parents, Samson's mother, what Samson's strength is for right before and right at the start of his story. Judges 13, verses 2 to 5, says this, now there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, 
whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. This is Samson's parents. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now, you who are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink. Do not eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That God had given Samson an incredible gift, but it actually wasn't for himself. It was actually to deliver a nation. It was actually for others. Now, he would be a beneficiary of that, and, and, and it was God was going to work through his life, but it actually wasn't for him. It was for others. He was, meant, he was meant to deliver his nation from the tyranny of the Philistines. They got distracted along the way, thinking that this whole gift God had given him was actually for him, that God's presence and power in his life was actually for his own gain. It's a great reminder to us that God wants to add strength to your life and to mine, that God wants to add strength to MCC, to this church, to this great work that you and I are a part of. But there's a reminder here. Will we use the blessing that God gives us to serve God or ourselves? That God's blessing upon your life will be a blessing to you, but it's not supposed to just be a blessing to you. That God's blessing and provision in your life is not simply for there to be a bigger boat or a nicer house or a newer car. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But, but when they take the place of realizing that actually the power and blessing of God for my life it is not solely for me, it's actually for me to serve God. Think about it in a different sense. That the gifts and talents that God has given you Come on, this whole room full of people, there are some incredibly talented people who are in this room. That the gifts of God are given without repentance. That's what the Bible says. God has given them to you. But they are supposed to be used to serve him first. For Samson, Samson forgets why God gave him this gift. Forgets why God has placed his hand upon his life. And so he begins to use the power and the presence of God for his own gain. And you feel like reaching through the pages of the scripture and saying, Samson, you're so close. If you would just get your head in the game. Like if this person just, if Samson just had a good youth pastor who could have discipled him a little bit, could have helped him out, helped to shape some areas of character in his own life. Because it's like Samson's got the hand of God upon him, but, but he's never, his gift is taking him to a place that his character can't keep him. I'll go a step further. If you look a bit closer at Samson's life, you can almost imagine this being the case because for mum and dad, they didn't have any children. Samson's an only child. And they're so mesmerized by the fact that the angel of the Lord comes to him, comes to them and says, you're going to have a son and he's going to deliver his people. You never see at any moment in Samson's story his parents ever really correcting him. You see Samson leading the conversation. That Samson would say to his parents, I want to marry this girl. And his parents would be like, Samson, like... You think we could maybe find a girl from our tribe, maybe an Israelite? Do you have to choose a Philistine? Like, do you have to choose a Philistine girl? And Samson says to them, she's the one, get her for me. It's almost like Samson's parents never challenged him. It's like they missed the opportunity. And so his gift takes him to a place that his character can't keep him. And he ends up forgetting where his strength comes from. 
becoming focused on the impressive but not the important and totally missing why it is that God has brought this strength into his life. I want to speak and declare over your life today that God wants to bring strength this year. I'm going to say this word so many times that this is a year of strength, that on the first Tuesday of every month we're going to host strength nights where we come together as leaders and volunteers, as people who said, this is the place where I'm planted. We're going to come together for those nights. We're going to worship and pray together. But there's going to be, that's where we're going to be taught. That's where leaders are going to be raised. That's where the platform for discipleship is going to start to roll out for MCC. Why? Because there's been stretch and now there's strengthened. And as God brings strength into the church, the way he does that is actually in people's lives. How does a church get stronger? It's because marriages get stronger. It's because in your own personal life, you get stronger. The habits of your life get stronger. The health of your life gets stronger. The disciplines of your life get stronger. And as an aggregate of that, the church becomes stronger. Why? Because there's strength coming into people's lives. I want to encourage you that when you go home, that over this next week as you pray, begin to write out a list. Because God is adding strength to my life, take an area. Because God is adding strength to my life, my health is going to change in this regard. Because God is adding strength to my life financially, this is what I'm believing to see God do in our lives this year. That because God is adding strength to my life, this is what I'm believing to see happen in our marriage. Why? Because God wants to add strength, but it's a reminder to us to remember where that strength comes from. It comes from God. To, to be reminded to focus on the important things, not the impressive things. And to be reminded why it is that God adds this strength to our lives. It's a benefit to us. But God's blessing is not purely for our lives. It's for what God can do beyond us. We're going to take some time at the end of this service this morning to be able to pray for people and anoint them with oil. Anoint you, commission you into this year that this would be a year of strength. And maybe as I'm talking about strength this morning, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you're talking about strength and God wants to add strength to our lives, but you don't understand where I've come from. I feel so weak. I want to remind you of this. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, write this down. If you're there sitting there thinking, man, God's going to add strength to my life, I feel like I'm in the weakest place of my life. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's a reminder, you may feel weak, but you serve a God who is all powerful. You might feel like there is weaknesses in your life and maybe you've tried before and failed or you feel like there's areas of weakness even in the private areas of your life and you've tried by willpower. Stop trying by willpower. Start trying by God's power. Remember where it is that your strength comes from. By the way, this is a new thing, right? If you're new to MTC, we do this thing called back the clap. If one person claps, you all have to clap. You might be sitting there thinking, you're talking about strength. Weakness is not my problem. My problem is that I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. If you realize the year that we've just had, we're just exhausted. We're just looking just to catch our breath. I don't know about strength or God building into our lives or increase or lengthening cause. I don't know about any of that stuff. We're just exhausted. But we're just looking to be able to survive. I understand you. Our little girls are a month old. I'm preaching to you on very little sleep. 
Thanks. But if you feel weary and exhausted, I want to remind you of Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, right? And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Maybe you're there and you're thinking, yeah, you're talking about strength. My, my problem isn't weakness. My problem isn't that I'm exhausted. My problem is that I've messed my life up. That I feel so far from God. Maybe you once walked with God, but you, you find now you, you're not even sure if God would even remember because you've walked so far from him. You feel like you've messed your whole life up. Samson would have felt like that. Samson's life, in a lot of ways, measures far shorter than the potential that it had. But that Samson does confide in Delilah, and he does have his head shaved, and the Philistines do take him, and they put him in bronze fetters. They shackle him up. That they gouge out his eyes and take the vision away from his life. Maybe you felt like that at times in your life where you felt like the, the, the mistakes I've made and how much I've messed up, I've got no more vision for my life anymore. How could God ever use me? That's what happened to Samson. He had his eyes gouged out, his vision taken away, and they put him in his shackles, milling on a millstone, walking around and around and around and around in circles. The Philistines would come and they would mock because he's the great strong man of Israel, Samson, and now he's making our grain into wheat so we can make the bread. They would come and they would mock him. They would insult him. But the scripture says that all the while were they're humiliating Samson and all the while while he finds himself in this lowly place, sad, upset, remorseful for, for, for squandering the gift of God on his life that the Philistines didn't realize but the hair on Samson's head began to grow. Until one day, the Philistines are throwing this great big party, this great big feast in this Colosseum-like building, and they think, you know, what, what, what could we do that would be fun, that to be entertaining, that everyone would really enjoy? And they think, why don't we bring Samson out? You know, the guy who used to rip the gates off our cities and used to kill our soldiers, and this little scrawny guy with the long hair, well, we got one over him. So they decide that they're going to bring him out, and they're going to parade him around in this great Colosseum-like building. To humiliate him even further, they, they tie him up and they have a young boy lead him out. They don't need soldiers because the great strong guy from Israel, he can be led out by a child now. And so they lead him out and, and Samson whispers to the boy and he says, will you, will you lead me to the, to the pillars? And, and he stands there in front of uh, 20,000 Philistines who are all mocking him, humiliated. Totally messed his life up. T totally missed the, the call that God had for his life. And there standing between two pillars, the Bible says that Samson stretched out his left hand and he placed it on the left hand substructure of that great big building. And then he took his right hand and he did the same on the right side. And then Samson prays. He finally comes to a place of repentance in his life. Judges 16 verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O oh Lord, God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson pushes. With the last bit of strength that he has, God answers his prayer and he pushes that building over. 
And in the end of his life, does far more for the deliverance of Israel than he'd done in all the years leading up to that. What's interesting to me is that when Samson comes to his place of surrender, this is the stance he's making. That Samson comes to a place of surrender and repentance at the cross and says, God, I've totally messed my life up. I've forgotten where my strength came from. I've taken it for granted that your hand was upon my life. I I used it for my own gain. I didn't ever use it for you. But but here, right at the very end of his life, he he comes to a realization that no matter how much I've messed my life up, if I'll come back to the cross, if I'll come back to a place of repentance, God will hear my cry and answer my prayer. You might feel weary. You might feel exhausted. You might feel like I've messed my life up. God God wouldn't build my life. He wouldn't strengthen my life. But my encouragement to you today is that if you would come to Jesus, if you would come to the cross and say, Lord, I need to repent. I've walked away from you, but I need to walk back in relationship with you. I've used your gift in my life for my own gain, but I haven't actually used it for the purpose that you gave it to me. God, God, I thought this was all about me. God, it's actually all about you and how you might use my life to serve others others, God, help me today, that you'll find a God in heaven who's way closer than you could possibly imagine. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Lord, I thank you this morning for every single person who's in this room. And Lord, I just pray right now, God, for your hand upon their life. God, as the worship team is coming back and as we take a few moments right now to be able to pray and anoint people, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would seal this word in our heart. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that over the course of this year, God, in conversations, in our own prayer time, Lord, when we're in the car on our own, that, Lord, you'd bring back to our remembrance, God, this message, that you are building strength, but it's a reminder to us to remember where our strength comes from. That, God, you are building strength into our lives, but it's a reminder to us to focus on the important things, not the impressive ones. God, that you're building strength into our lives, but it's a reminder to us to be reminded why it is that your hand's in our life, why it is your presence is here. It's not for our gain, God, it's to serve you and others. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do this work in people's lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.